Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. Happy almost New Year's. It's New Year's Eve as this show is airing, and I'm excited to play for you an interview that I did a few years ago, actually, with uh, Wendy Spencer, who's the curator of Wolfhaven International, and it's a local uh, wolf sanctuary um, just south of us here in Seattle, and they do great work um, taking in wolves who need a home for, for various reasons, and you can listen to the interview to hear what some of those reasons might be, but uh, a few years ago, Darcy and I visited uh, Wolfhaven, and uh, while we were there getting a tour, um, the wolves all started up howling while we were there. And it, there's something about that sound for me, and I know a lot of people who especially are dog lovers probably feel the same way, but it's it's a really um, just a beautiful and... I don't know, kind of touches you down to your bones kind of sound. And we were there and they all started up. And uh, I guess there's a couple coyotes there, too. And they got the coyotes going, too, which is a much different sound. Um, But it was wonderful. So this is the last show of 2014, Eric. What a year it's been. We just celebrated. I know. It went so fast. Time flies when you're having fun and even when you're not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, of course, we had a lot of fun over the year on the show. Yeah. Celebrated our 300th episode in November. That was exciting. That was exciting. Have a new website up. Also exciting. Very exciting. Of course, dogradioshow.com is the website uh, address, and you can find all of our over 300 shows archived on the website on our podcast page. There's also a blog there Mm. where I uh, write about different shows Um, And then also other topics, and I have some articles and handouts about dog behavior and training and other thoughts there, too. Some of my favorite dog videos are posted. You can find all of our wonderful partners, uh, the Natural Pet Pantry and Pure Air and Jet City Animal Clinic. And uh, it's looking good. So check that out, dogradioshow.com. There's also a contact form where you can go in and fill out. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me for a number of different reasons, perhaps you're interested in advertising your business on the show. Perhaps you have a show idea that you'd like, uh, an organization that you know of, or an author, or a book, or um, anything really, if you have an idea for a show, or if you have a question about dog training or behavior that you'd like me to answer on air, um, you can submit that too. So when you go to the contact page, you can just go to the subject line and there's a drop down menu that gives you the various um, reasons why you might be getting in touch just to help me organize it. And then one of those, of course, is maybe you want a dog show car sticker. I've sent them now all over the place. I've sent them all over the country. I've even sent actually a few different shipments to Ireland. I guess we're big in Ireland. <laughs> so so top of the year That's uh, right. to our Irish listeners. That's right. Uh, they? And happy holidays uh, again to everybody out there listening. And I, I got to ask, Big plans for tonight. Uh, it's New Year's Eve, and uh, are you going to take uh, all the dogs and head up to Space Needle and <laughs> yeah, uh, ha- have are, a big dinner or something? I'm sure that'd go over well. Um, <laughs> we are going to have some friends over. Yeah, and that sounds uh, like fun. Celebrate with uh, with yeah some of our community and stay inside and hang with the dogs inside where they can be. Get them all howling at midnight. That's right. Like those wolves. Yeah, they're crazy, crazy dogs. Um, 
so yeah, so and then my first show of 2015 kind of, you know, New Year's resolutions, not really big on resolutions, but it is a thing. And what better resolution than to get your dog off of kibble? Mm. So I'm going to talk with Dr. Donna Kelleher. We'll be back on the show to talk about how to transition your dog off of kibble and onto maybe a raw or cooked food like the natural pet pantry or some other less processed form of food. Because sometimes there's a little bit of a finessing that needs to happen for dogs if they're sensitive to change or have been mm-hmm. on the same food for many, many years. So we'll be kicking off 2015 with one of my favorite show topics, which is getting your dog better nutrition. So look forward to that. So everybody have a wonderful and especially safe New Year celebration, and we'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. So let's bring Wendy on and talk to her about everything Wolfhaven. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Julie. Thanks so much for calling in today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, this is Wendy Spencer, animal curator of Wolfhaven International. And uh, you pretty much do everything that involves caring for the wolves. I do. I I don't do it alone, obviously. We have a a staff, um, two full-time uh, animal care guys and a part-time person as well. Um, but definitely with 57 animals, they keep us pretty busy. Wow. Now, what? Um, first of all, let's talk about what Wolf Haven is. So Wolf Haven is a wolf sanctuary? We are primarily a wolf sanctuary, and um, we do a lot of rescue. We take animals, primarily wolves, in from a variety of backgrounds, um, I would say the majority of our wolves come to us from private ownership, from people who purchase them as pets, and um, for obvious reasons, um, it doesn't work out. And then we are contacted um, for placement. And um, I would say about 75% of the wolves that we currently have have come to us from that type of a situation. Um, however, we do periodically get animals from other zoos or wildlife sanctuaries, um, and then we also participate in two federal programs, the Mexican Gray Wolf and Red Wolf Species Survival Plan Program. Excellent. Yeah. And I have, uh, I have that. We'll get more into that in detail later on in the show. It's a okay. very interesting program. Yeah. Now, so people purchase wolves to try to have them as pets? They do. And um, what a great idea. Um, <laughs> and where do they get them? You know, it, it's actually um, it's quite easy to purchase a wolf. Um, you know, it's like any, uh, with exotics or, you know, if there's a market for them. And so Mm -hmm. you can go online and you can, you can look on Craigslist. You can look in the, you know, classified. um, So do you, do you recommend owning a wolf as a pet? I absolutely do not. And Um, why not? You know, there are so many reasons why it's not a good idea. Um, the main reason that I feel that it's not a good idea is because usually it's the animal that pays the price. Um, people will get these animals, and people get them for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, people love wolves, or they love the wild, and wolves are, you know, symbolic of, of, of the wild. Um, people get them because they want to connect with the wild or with nature. Um, some people get them because they see wolves as a status symbol, or maybe they identify with them, the wolf is their totem animal. Um, mm. Sometimes they get them because they're, I mean, they're absolutely beautiful. Um, and so, 
you know, again, the, the reasons run the gamut, but, um, you know, when people get them, I, I don't know that people really fully understand what they're getting into. And so they'll get these animals when they're puppies, and, you know, they'll, they'll go along for months, maybe a year or two, and pure wolves don't sexually mature until they're about two years of age. And so people start to have issues as, they, as their animal matures, and, um, and then they get in over their heads. And for these folks that have purchased wolves as, as pets, um, if they need to surrender their animal, they can't pursue normal channels of adoption. You can't take your wolf to the shelter um, mm. and drop your, your wolf off and expect that the shelter is going to be able to find a home for your wolf. Right. Um, and, and so it, it's a huge problem. Um, the other thing, and I don't know if we're going to get into this at all, is wolf dogs. You know, there yes. are yeah, yes, we will, <laughs> which is even a, a bigger problem. Yeah, um, and and so um, it, it is not a good idea. We we don't condone having a wolf as a pet. There are some people who do right by their animals. Um, there are some people who rescue these guys and, and do really good for them. But overall, um, yeah. it, it's not a good idea. Yeah. So you said that there's 57. Uh, wolves was that fifty five plus the two coyotes? Um, we have fifty seven animals total. Okay. Um, so we have two coyotes. We do have a couple of wolf dogs here. Actually, we have three wolf dogs. We we do have one older dog, um, mostly dog. Um, and by wolf dog, you mean a dog wolf hybrid? Exactly, exactly. Okay. And mm-hmm. and some of them, um, the three that we have are are fairly high content. Um, um, but there is one, we call her dog, but she's a, a fairly low-content wolf dog. Mm-hmm. So she's in that count as well. And then, of course, our two coyotes. Mm-hmm. And then our, our gray and red wolf residents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we heard, uh, we we came for a tour a few weeks ago. And right. uh, very shortly after we arrived and started the tour, one, one of them started going <laughs> and... Uh, it was like, oh, are they all going to start? And then sure enough, they all did. They all did, yeah. And um, I actually have that on video, on the videos that I've posted, and those are on the website. But you can hear the coyotes kind of chiming in with, yeah. with their distinct sound as well. It was really, really amazing to witness that uh, everybody everybody singing for us. It was that's great. A very, that's cool. It's, it's, it, to me, I mean, I've been here for you know over 12 years, and it's still magical. I still get goosebumps. But yeah. it's really cool because you can hear the coyotes, you can hear the gray wolves. You, the red wolves have a their howl is a, a, a cross between the the yippy coyote sound and, and the the gray wolf howl. So it's it's really interesting to hear all the different sounds. And they're all individual too. I mean, sometimes we can be standing up at the office and the wolves are howling, and you can pick out individual wolves, you know, just because of their howl. Yeah. So. Now, I think I read in your in your newsletter um, that Sissy was uh, recently passed away, and and there was something in her write up about her howl. Yeah. yeah. She um she was one of our red wolves, and sadly she passed away um, in July from torsion, gastric torsion, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had her howl was, was very unique. It was like a kazoo. And she always, it was really funny because she always had to have the last word. The wolf, you know, as you observed, generally one or two will start and then the whole sanctuary chimes in and you'll have this, you know, really um, rambunctious chorus howl. Um, but Sissy always had to get the last word. You could hear it. She'd go and go and go after everybody else was done. But it, it literally sounded like a kazoo. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, now how long do wolves live? 
Well, it, it depends on if we're talking captive versus or wild. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the wild, it's it's really tough to be a wild wolf. Um, they work really hard to earn a living, and they don't live a long time. Um, you know, the average lifespan for a wild wolf is, um, you know, anywhere from four to, to eight years. Mm. Um, the average um, lifespan for a wolf in Yellowstone Park is like four to five years of age. Mm. And, and they eat really well in Yellowstone. So um, there's a, a really, really high mortality rate for wild wolves. However, when you're talking about wolves in captivity, and you take away all those major causes of mortality, like starvation and human-induced mortality and disease, and you give them, you know, access to vet care and, you know, a good diet, they can live a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very healthy. You know, we have animals currently who are 16, 17 years of age. Wow. Um, We had one female years ago, actually, just prior to to, um, my coming on board, Princess Lilypad, who died just shy of her 20th birthday. And to me, it's just amazing. You think about, you know, some of our, our large domestic breeds, you know, like our shepherds or take a mastiff, you know, who's geriatric by the time mm-hmm. they're seven or eight. It's, it's, it's really impressive. You know, we recently lost a, um, a 15 and a half year old male. Um, but, you, you know, you'd look at him and you'd never know he was 15 years old. He, you know, he was moving around like a 10 year old. Yeah. Um, you don't see the, you know, we, we do see, of course, some hip dysplasia, um, arthritis, things like that, but it doesn't seem to be nearly as um, prevalent in in pure wolves as, as it is in our domestic breeds. Yeah. Well, Wendy, we're going to take a quick break, okay. and when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, Wolfhaven International, and I'm also very curious about your thoughts on the differences between wolf behavior and dog behavior. Okay. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice jetcityanimalclinic.com This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Designing Health, makers of Missing Link, we cover the world of animals. This week, January 4th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check on our regulars, then we'll focus on our elephants. Friends of Woodland Park Zoo elephants, Aline Fortgang, joins me. Since the zoo's decision to shut down the elephant exhibit, we'll help you understand why the only place to send them is a sanctuary. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Hey, dog show fans. Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, 
even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray pure air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for pure air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit dogradioshow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. The Dog Talk Show is brought to you in part by Invisible Fence Northwest. Invisible Fence for the life of your pet. Check out InvisibleFenceNW.com and learn about their indoor and outdoor solutions for both your dog and cat. So we are back with Wendy Spencer, animal curator at Wolfhaven International. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Now, I've been... So I work in Seattle area uh, with dog training, behavior, and nutrition. So that's what I'm doing when I'm not on the air once a week. (laughs) And... um, you know, dogs are often compared to wolves as far as, you know, talking especially about pack structure and leadership and all that stuff. And I've been hearing more and more recently noise from people talking about how dogs, in to varying degrees, but that dogs really shouldn't be compared to wolves anymore and that it's a fault, you know. And I'm wondering what your opinion is, knowing wolves, um, how, in what ways do you think we can liken dogs to wolves, and in what ways do you think that we can't, or that we shouldn't? That's a a hard question. Um, It's such a convoluted issue. Um, I certainly think that there are a lot of similarities. I mean, certainly, you know, you look at the wolves and, and and for, for many of our breeds, particularly the northern breeds, you see, um, you know, you see similarities. Um, uh, you look at some of the behaviors that, that the wolves exhibit. Um, for instance, play bows and tail wagging and, um, you know, things like that. And, and certainly, you know, you look at, I, I have three dogs and I, I come out of the sanctuary and I look at my dogs playing <laughs> together. Yeah. And they, they look just like the wolves playing together. Yeah. Um, However, when we're talking about wolf behavior, um, you know, just because a wolf is play-bowing or, or appears to be play-bowing, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's an invitation for play. Um, when we're talking about wolf behavior, you kind of have to look at the, the whole picture. Um, you know, just because the wolf is in that position, what, what, what's he or she doing with her lips? You know, what, what are her ears or his ears doing or the tail? Um, you have to take the whole the whole picture. Um, With wolf behavior, a lot of times it will occur with a lot more intensity Mm. and under different contexts than um, what it it will happen with dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so a lot of people who think that they know dogs or think that they know dog behavior think that they know wolves, and that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, And and so we have to be really careful when we're trying to... A lot of times visitors come to the sanctuary and they'll see a particular behavior and they'll say, you know, okay, what does that mean? Or what is he doing? Or why is he doing that? Or why is she doing that? And it's, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, we can 
guess all we want to, and, and uh, you know, you can watch behaviors over and over and over and sort of assign meaning to them, but, but really, we, we just don't know. Yeah. And I think that you, how you talk about context is really important because I definitely talk to my clients about that a lot or will have them talk to me about that a lot if they call me and say, you know, my dog did this. It's like, okay, well, what was happening? Yeah. There's so much more information about it because dogs get context. I mean, I think in a, a lot of times I'm really shocked at how little credit they get for their level of awareness of what, right. what's going on. Right. Um, you know, I've had people say like, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, or if I come back for a second one and the dog remembers me and they're shocked and I'm like, well, yeah, it's like, it's just like how I remember you or that you remember me. I mean, you know, um, but context is, is definitely really important in understanding where they're coming from and not just looking at it like, oh, they're wagging their tail. It means they're happy. Exactly. Yay. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And just because they're wagging their tail, what what kind, you know, what position is the tail in? Is it rigid? Is it fluid? Is it, you know, fast like a pendulum? Is, you know, so, I mean, there are all those things that you take into account. Like you said, just because the tail is wagging, that definitely doesn't mean that they're just happy. In some cases, it can be they're displaying dominance or aggression. Mm -hmm. So. Now, what about um, the need for, or at least the the experience of pack structure? Do you think that dogs pretty much are still like wolves in that way as far as the, the hierarchy? I know that a lot of the controversy that I, well, not controversy, but like disagreement that I've heard in conversation is that we tend to, or some people tend to focus too much on the dominance and all that, and that dogs don't need that as much as wolves? Um, you know, I, I think that there is definitely a sense of, with our domestics, that there is um, the pack structure, the, the, the sense of hierarchy is important. I, I have a, a multiple dog. I have three dogs, and, you know, they definitely have their, their pecking order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I do think that there is something to that. Um, I don't think it's as essential um, because you know they're not they're not out there trying to survive. Right. You know, um, it's it's very very different when you're talking about wolves out in the wild who who need um, a cohesive structure. There needs to be order. There needs to be um, you know somebody in charge, or, or else they'll all die. Right. Um, and and so it's very very different. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I do think it's important for our domestic dogs, but it's it's not a matter of survival for them. Yeah, seems like yeah. there's more gray area or I know this is my experience. I, we have three dogs as well, and then we often have other dogs in and out and mm-hmm. that it's um, it's important that there is some structure in place and that there is some leadership in place, but it doesn't have to be you know, at least as far as like eating first and right. like all of those more detail things don't right. seem to really matter as long as the bigger picture is under control. Exactly. And, and I think, um, you know, when I introduced a new dog into, um, in, into the mix, you know, there were some issues that they had to work out. Um, but, you know, I, I had to let them work it out, and, and they did, and, and uh, it was fine, but it wasn't a matter of survival for them. I think the other thing that's interesting, too, with our domestic dogs when we're talking about packs, um, if you have a multiple dog household, um, you know, we're we're bringing a lot of times. You know, especially if you do rescue and you you work. I guess if you purchase, but you, you know, you you'll bring a dog in and then you'll bring another unrelated dog in. Mm-hmm. Like the dogs don't really have a choice as to who's in their pack, and they can't really 
kick a pack member out, you know, right. um, in the wild, wolves, of course, are, you know, they immigrate and emigrate. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not their decision. Their, their pack mates will kick them out mm. um, with our, our domestic dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, they might ostracize one of their, you know, their, their pack members, but it's, it's not quite the same. Mm. And so do the wolves in at Wolf Haven, they don't live in packs, they live in pairs. Most of our wolves are paired up two per enclosure, male and female. Um, as you probably know, they are so incredibly social. And I think, you know, with the exception of the African wild dogs, probably the most social of all the wild canids. Mm. And so, you know, they, they require companionship. Um, you know, in captivity, we've found over the years, we have tried to maintain groups together. Um, but we've found in captivity that um, it, it's difficult to maintain groups for an extended period of time, particularly when you have multiple females who are reproductively viable. Mm. Um, females, as you probably well know, um, who are um, reproductively viable uh, do not get along well. They don't play nice together. Too many bitches. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so we have um, ended up over the years splitting our groups up. Yeah. Um, and it's usually because of, of the females fighting. Mm. Um, we do currently, we maintain, there's a group of three brothers to get... Boys are much easier to, to house in, in um, multiple groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a group of three brothers. We do have a, a group, um, uh, two older males, a 13- and a 14-year-old male with a 5-year-old female, um, and that seems to be working out quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but mostly they are paired up two per enclosure. Yeah. And then we have others over the years who just haven't wanted anybody, and they've been housed by themselves. I was going to ask you that. Have you ever had wolves there that couldn't be in with any others and, and had to be alone. Yeah, you know, in, in, in the time that I've been here, we've only, excuse me, we, I, I've only experienced that once. And there was a, um, he was an older guy when I got here, but um, they had tried three or four tra- times to try and pair him with different females. And each time he, um, he made it very clear that he just, you know, he was not interested in, in any of those females. And so he ended up living alone. He lived to be 17 mm. and he was a bachelor and seemed perfectly content to, to live by himself. So, mm. um, we currently have one female who um, we rescued last October, uh, excuse me, a year ago, October. And she was always housed alone um, and she's a, just an uber dominant girl. Mm. And um, her, she was in with an older male that we lost over the summer. Mm. And um, we're not sure how she's going to take to to another, you know, when we introduce her to somebody. Um, she may end up just being by herself. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. So, and I, when we were on our tour with Kim, um, she had talked, I think, a couple of times about how, I think it was Ruby was one of them, and Ruby's pen mate passed away, and that Ruby was really sad, and yeah. that, that seems to really happen regularly when they lose their pen mate, they get really sad. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I think probably for your listeners, they, they understand that dogs, you know, and wolves um, are, you know, they, 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 they bond, they feel, they feel emotion, they um, are connected with their, their mate um, or their family members. And just like when we lose a loved one, they grieve. Um, and it, it depends on the individual, and it you know some of them express it differently, um, you know. And and I hazard to to use the word grief, but I don't know what else, how else to, to term it, because you see a change in behavior. Sometimes it's um, 
you know, a lack of appetite. Sometimes, you know, an animal who was really gregarious and playful just lays around. Um, sometimes um, they'll engage in, in what's called a morning howl. And, mm. um, you know, you, you it, it sounds very different from the coarse howl that you experienced when, when you were here. Um, it's usually initiated by that that individual. And none of the other wolves join in. And it sounds very different. It, it, you know, I mean, to me, it, it sounds like they're crying. Um, and, and so, so I, you know, again, as much as I hazard to use the word grieving, I, I, I think, I, I truly believe that that's what, yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. Um, and some animals, again, you know, we've had animals, uh, we've had wolves who have been with their partners for years and years and years, and they'll lose their mate and, you know, um, uh, soon after we'll try and pair them up with somebody and, and they're fine. Mm. Um, we have a few, we actually had one male who lost his mate. They had been together for, I think, 11 years. Um, and he just was never the same after he didn't, you know, we had tried to pair him actually with two different girls mm-hmm. and he wanted nothing to do with them. Um, we had uh, this male Cherokee who I, I mentioned, the 15 and a half year old who recently passed away. Um, his mate, Miwok, um, had throat cancer and she passed away in October and they had been together for many, many years. And we saw after her passing, we just saw this gradual decline. And um, two days after Thanksgiving, he passed away. Mm. And, you know, I think he was, you know, had a, his heart was broken. Yeah. So. Well, Wendy, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with Wendy Spencer, Animal Curator of Wolfhaven International. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that takes this tale, we'll be busy. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist www.sensitivedog.com You're listening to the refreshingly different Alternative Talk 1150 AM Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show I'm your host Julie Forbes and we are back with Wendy Spencer 
animal curator at Wolfhaven International. Welcome back, Wendy. Thank you. Now, before we get into, I wanted to talk about the environmental enrichment, but before we get into that, I just saw another question I had, which is sort of along what we were talking about with the um, the pen mates and how they bond. Another thing that um, Kim had told us, I think, a couple times, and I know this was the case with Pahana, who I particularly liked. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like the pen mates can often ha- have an influence and often in a positive way. Like they help if a new if a new mate comes in and it, like Pahana's pen mate helps yeah. calm him down. And then there was one. I think it was Lady Hawk was not pleased with her pen mates. Um, friendliness towards people and was having her say in that. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that was really sweet that the, that they will, can help balance each other out in some cases. Yeah. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that, um, that they'll obviously cue off of one another. And, um, you know, a lot of times, like particularly in Pahana's case, um, you know, out of all the rescues that we've been involved in, his was probably the most egregious situation and mm. he and his his mother and actually his enclosure mate um is his older sister mahina mm. um who we were fortunate enough to rescue her and her litter mates way back in 2000 mm-hmm. the woman actually that had these animals she was a collector and she had hundreds of animals and mm. we had worked um way back in 99 started in 98 um trying to get her to surrender um some of her wolves and um we were fortunate enough to get mahina's group um, and it took um, almost 10 years before the state finally stepped in and confiscated all of her animals, and that's how we ended up with Pahana. So but was he it like had a, to spend, I'm sorry? Was it like a hoarding situation? It, it, yeah, absolutely it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, so finally, after all of these years had passed, um, you know, in, in 2008, the state had stepped in. They took all of her, her animals. She had bobcats and wolves and mm, all great. kinds of domestics. And um they were. They took all of the animals except for two wolves. She was allowed to keep Bahana and Bahana's mother, um, contingent upon spaying and neutering. Mm. And and then a year later, she was actually involuntarily committed. And so the state called us and asked us to come back and get Bahana and mm. his mom. So Bahana had spent his his whole life. Um, you know, when he was just a pup, they tried to turn him into a, a house pet, and they had kept him for um, several months inside the house. I don't know if you've ever seen horses when they cross-tie horses in, you know, in a stall or a barn. You know, mm-hmm. they'll take... Have you ever seen that? They'll clip from one side yeah. of, the, of the halter, and mm-hmm. then they'll clip. So Pahana had a, um, had a choke chain, actually two choke chains, and from one side of the choke chain, he had a chain coming off, and it was secured to one side of a door frame. And then he had another chain coming off the other side of his neck, and it was bolted into the other side of the door frame. And so that's how he lived his life for the first, you know, for, for many, many months inside the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, and then when that didn't work out, they moved him outside to an outdoor pen. Um, but didn't, he had no contact with his siblings or his parents or, mm-hmm. or you know, any, anybody. So he was pretty much by himself. And that's how he lived for 10 years. And so when he came here in 2009, he had no clue how to be a wolf. Mm-hmm. He had no idea how to act around other canids. And so... Um, when we initially put him in, um, Mahina wasn't his first um, enclosure mate. Actually, we put him in with another sister, Siri, who was a little more outgoing. And mm-hmm. It was actually a, an enclosure that was off the public tour route. Mm-hmm. And um, she's, 
Siri was a pretty dominant girl, and she went after him a couple of times, like nipped him on the rump, and mm-hmm. and he just wouldn't defend himself. He didn't know what to do, right. and so we decided to try him with Mahina because she was a little more easygoing. Yeah, and even initially Mahina went after him, but yeah. um, you know we we you know we would separate. We'd sort of give them um, structured playtime, and you know we put them together during the day and then we'd separate them at night and we did that for several weeks and we increased every day we'd increase the amount of time they spent together and Pahana started to gradually learn how to you know how to respond to Mahina Um, and and eventually I was watching we had a camera actually um, a remote camera installed so we could monitor the behavior from our desks so that they wouldn't be responding to us you know they just react to each other Mm -hmm. and one night we saw her invite him to play and finally he you know he figured out what to do and they started playing and Mm. and it's you know they've been fine ever since but you know even with the the wolves in the enclosures next door to him he just didn't know what to do he was uh, you know all puffed up and he's charging the fence and growling at everybody and um and you see him now and he's a completely different wolf so they they absolutely do cue off of one another and the other thing is you know, when we bring a new resident into, you know, a lot of times we go on these road trips to rescue wolves, and we'll come, you know, we get back, and usually it's in the very early morning hours, and we'll bring the new sanctuary resident in, and everybody knows when we drive in the sanctuary with a white cargo van, that usually means that there's a new wolf arriving, mm-hmm. and everybody starts howling and getting all excited, <laughs> and, you know, I swear it's like they're telling the new wolf, you know, hey, this is a great place, you're, you're safe, you're home, because yeah. um, wolves Yay! that, you know... Yeah, you know, we've, we've, well, we've met these wolves at, at their, you know, where they've lived, and they're high-strung and jumping, you know, jumping at the fence, and, mm-hmm. and then they get here, and they, they seem to settle in. So yeah. it's like they know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now you have an environmental enrichment program. We do. Where you give the wolves some stimula- mental stimulation that way and putting some different things in their pens mm-hmm. with them. And I liked what Kim... Kim was telling us about that and how you had some marshmallows left yeah. over one time and but that off usually what the wolves will do when you something gets tossed into the pen is that they'll go over and pee on it and then check it out. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times they will. It depends on on the individual, but you know, we do um we do a lot of environmental enrichment for them because they, you know, they're so intelligent and they need something to sort of stimulate them, tax their brains. A lot of times we'll do puzzle feeders or we'll hide objects or freeze objects mm-hmm. and they have to work to get the item out. Yeah. Um, they're super, super scent oriented. So a lot of times we'll introduce novel um, scents into their enclosures. And a, a lot of times what they'll do is, um, it, you know, before they do anything is they'll pee on it or pee right next to it. And <laughs> so then is that like, it's mine, it's now I'm going to check it out? Totally. Yeah. It's, it's totally what they're doing. <laughs> Ooh, what's um, this? Mine? I'm going to exactly. check it out now. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing, Julie. I mean, even when we feed, I mean, it's completely disgusting to us. But, you know, we'll, we'll toss their food over, yeah. and they'll go and grab their, their chicken or their chunks of meat and put it in a pile, and they pee all over it. And then their enclosure mate sometimes will come over and pee all over it. And then the original... Wolf will come back and pee all over it, so it's just marinating in mm. urine, mm-hmm. and then they eat it. So. Mm. Yeah, 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 yum. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever works, huh? Yeah. So, um, so they they get now. I was surprised. Well, I guess I don't know. I guess it makes sense. But I had asked Kim if the wolves get rotated into like a larger pen to run around or whatever, 
And uh, she said that they actually don't like that, that it's kind of upsetting to them to leave their enclosure. You know, it depends on on the individual. Um, We actually have um, something that we're working on, and and down in the lower part of the sanctuary, um, there are several enclosures that have tunnels that connect enclosure to enclosure. Mm. And um, so what we can do is sort of shift everybody over an enclosure um, to get in and do maintenance, um, clean up, or if we need to um, do some repairs. Um, We only have currently four enclosures that are connected and but it was really interesting actually you know we had the windstorm a few weeks ago and we had some large limbs come down in one of the enclosures and we needed to get in and do some maintenance and um we ended up just shifting everybody over and i think this might have been after your visit but it was so interesting the wolves absolutely loved it you know they they got into a new environment and all new smells and new things for them to mark and investigate <laughs> yeah. um but you know it, for, for the animals that we ended up shifting, they really enjoyed it. Um, mm. You know, there are some animals that, that probably that would be stressful for. So mm-hmm. it, it sort of just depends on, on, you know, who we'd be moving. Yeah. Um, but it was it was actually really good enrichment for the ones that, that we ended up shifting that day. Pahana was actually one of them, and he just, oh, he was in heaven just exploring everything. He went around and marked every single tree and shrub and blade of grass. Yeah. So, yeah. Lots of peeing. Yeah. 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 And rolling, you know, I mean, there's all yep. kinds of different scents for them to check out. Yeah. Um, well, we, I want to talk to you a bit in when we come back from our next break about the species survival plan that you're participating in, which is for both the Mexican gray and Mexican red wolves. Is that right? It's the Mexican gray wolf and the red wolf. And the red wolf, not yeah. Mexican red wolf. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and about, you know, a little bit about the breeding and, and that type of thing. And then I also want to make sure that we just touch on hybrids, okay. wolf dogs. So we will be back in just a few minutes with Wendy Spencer, animal curator of Wolfhaven International. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Hi, this is Craig Walker, owner and lead technician at Coho Computer in Issaquah. Tune in Saturdays at noon right after Manson Mitchell for Tech Talk with Craig. We'll touch on the latest tech news, interview special guests, and take your calls. Tech Talk with Craig, Saturdays from noon to one, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, 
to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Lewis and Clark would be proud. We're exploring new territory on the air every day right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and we are back with Wendy Spencer, animal curator of Wolfhaven International. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Well, Wendy, I wish we had more time, but in the time that we do have left, I want to talk quickly about your species survival plan, and I think we'll just have to have you back sometime soon and talk more about this. Okay. And that's with the Mexican gray wolf and the red wolf. Right. Okay. So we are actually involved in these two federal programs, um, and they're the, the species survival plan program. And Basically, what those programs are, it's a cooperative effort between the United States Fish and Wildlife Service and um, AZA facilities and non-AZA facilities like Wolfhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and we house endangered Mexican gray wolves and red wolves. And um, periodically, we breed them. Um, in the case of the Mexican gray, um, we also serve as what's called a pre-release breeding facility. So we have Mexican gray wolves who are either born here or come to us from other facilities spend some time here, and then go out into the wild. And we currently have 12 Mexican gray wolves um, and four red wolves. Mm. And we have a pair of Mexican gray wolves who are pre-released and have been recommended for breeding. Mm-hmm. And then we have a pair of red wolves who are um, off the public tour route, but they have been recommended for breeding as well. Mm. So, so we're, we're, we've been active in both programs for, for many years. And we're, we feel really fortunate to be a part of those programs. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wolves have so many challenges in the way of conservation. They do, particularly in the case of the Mexican gray, because you're talking about, you know, you know, just a couple dozen free-ranging Mexican gray wolves in the wow. wild. So, yeah. 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 So they're, they're in critical condition right now. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted to, uh, to, to also talk about uh, wolf hybrids, so wolf-dog hybrids. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we talked about... Is it a good idea to own a wolf as a pet? No, it's not for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about wolf-dog hybrids? Well, again, that's an, another issue that is, is pretty convoluted. I, I have, over the years, met some very wonderful wolf dogs. Um, but I would say, as a general, for the, for the general layperson, it, it's not a good idea. Um, wolf dogs, you have... You have low content, you have mid-content, you have high content. And a general rule of thumb is the lower the, the content, the lower the wolf content, the more dog-like the animal will behave. Right. Um, but that's not always the case. The issue with wolf dogs is the unpredictability. Um, you know, a lot of times you can take a lab, or I have border collies, you know, and, and you sort of know what you're getting into. But with wolf dogs, you, you never really know what you're going to end up with. Mm. Um, you know, if you're talking about maybe a first generation where, you know, one parent is pure wolf and one parent is pure dog, you know, you, you, you kind of know what you're getting. But once you get past F1, you, you just, you don't know what you're getting into. And so um, they are, uh, they can be incredibly unpredictable. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, even for low, co- low content, um, you know, there's, there's certainly 
high prey drive. There's, you know, they, they tend to possess a, a, a wanderlust. Um, containment is always a concern for these guys. Mm. Um, and so there are, and also there's the legal issue to consider. A right. lot of a lot of locales ban breeding and owning and selling mm-hmm. of wolf dogs. So seems like it wouldn't. It's not fair to the animal because they're part wild, part mm-hmm. domesticated. So it's like they don't know who. I mean, not. I'm not trying to put human right. characteristics, but you know, and and how I can verbalize anyway that they're like kind of torn between two worlds. Particularly with the the you know when you get into the mid and the higher content, the low content wolf dogs. A lot of times the wolf is negligible, mm-hmm. but when you're talking about these higher content wolf dogs, um, they are. They're sort of trapped between between these two worlds. And and again, just like in the case of of people who have wolves as pets. It's, it's the wolf dog, it's the animal that pays the price. These people get these animals, they, they just get in over their heads, they, just, you know, they start exhibiting behavior that we don't find desirable in a house pet, and then the animal is relegated to life in a kennel or life on a chain, or they're surrendered and euthanized. Um, you know, again, you, you can't pursue normal channels of adoption with wolf dogs because they can't go into the shelter, and, and for liability reasons, the shelter cannot adopt them out. And so... You know, people surrender their wolf dogs. Usually, they're they're um, issuing a death sentence, and and I literally mm. get calls and emails um, pretty much daily from people who are trying to place their wolf dogs. Mm. So it's a it's a really sad situation, and it seems to be like it's on the rise. Um, I don't know if it's because you know wolves have been in the news the last few years, you know, and and so it's become the trend has become more popular. I, I'm not sure the reason behind it, but um, there's it, it seems to be escalating. Yeah. And it's not good for the animals. Yeah, the, and there's um, probably sanctuaries that are devoted to wolf dog hybrids. There are. There are sanctuaries across the country, um, but they are inundated. Um, right. You know, and the logistics, you know, if, if you have an animal in Washington and you're trying to get an animal to a sanctuary in North Carolina, yeah. it's, it's not always practical. Um, and, and so... Um, a lot of times these animals are euthanized. Most wolf dogs that are purchased as pets are euthanized by the time they're three. Mm. That's a really sad reality. Yeah. So it's not something that we recommend. But again, you know, I, I, I would want to say that there are people who, you know, who know these animals and, and do right by their animals. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these, these animals actually do, do fine. A but, minority, though. Right. And so for just that small minority, it's not fair, you know, to, you know, to basically condemn the whole population. Right. So, so, um, we were talking about, um, when we were there about the different ways that people can get involved. Um, I know that you do a lot of education, educational work Mm -hmm. and, and classes and stuff out of Wolf Haven. Um, people can, quote unquote adopt a wolf. <laughs> they can. They won't take the wolf home, but they get right. a really nice picture and certificate. Yeah. So. so that's a great gift, um, you know, to adopt a wolf in somebody's name. I know I did that for Darcy's father last year. Oh. And it wasn't a Wolf Haven wolf though. But um next time it next will time be. It has to be a wolf haven wolf. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think it was a Yellowstone wolf. But oh, um but it was you. great, you know, they get a certificate and yeah. And uh, the adoption for is uh, twenty five dollars. Is that right? Exactly. The okay. Is $25. So you know, totally affordable thing to do. What a great gift. Um, memberships are thirty five dollars, or they start, start at, at thirty five, right? And that includes the newsletter. 
the quarterly it, newsletter? It does. It, Wolf Tracks, which is a, a really beautiful publication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I read the, the most recent one last night and I uh, was reading all about the, not just the the wolves, but and, and sissy and all that. But, yeah. you know, there's other information, too, and the pocket gophers and all that stuff. Right, right. But it's a great publication. And the website is wolfhaven.org, correct? It is. Okay. Yeah. Um, www.wolfhaven.org. Org, and they are in Tenino, Washington, which is just outside of Olympia. And it's only really about an hour from Seattle. If, if you uh, don't hit traffic, it was a really quick drive for us and a wonderful tour. Um, and I have videos from our visit there um, posted on the Dog Talk Show website, which is dogtalkshow.com. Um, and they're on YouTube and the... the um, account name is dog talk show videos on youtube you can find those there and you can see pahana and a lot ruby and a lot of the other ones there london um and you guys are also on facebook so you can look up wolfhaven international and become a fan on their facebook page and twitter um the dog talk show is also on facebook as well and um but really the the, the a great way to um, contribute is to adopt a wolf for somebody as a gift or um, purchase a membership or sign up for a, a monthly donation. I know those are really helpful for you because then you can it's money that you can count on that's coming in and exactly. and it all goes to caring for the wolves that are there. Exactly. And uh, you said there's 57 animals at Wolf Haven. We currently have 57 total. Yeah, 57 total. Yeah. And there's um, a number of them on the tour, and then there's a, a whole bunch of other ones that are off the tour. Most of them are actually off tour. Yeah. It takes a, a really special animal to be able to put up with us. To day tolerate after day. the people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, and when we, uh, I'll have to have you back, Wendy, to talk more about, because there were a lot of questions that I, I didn't get to ask and to go into detail about the species survival plan that you participate in. and the, the genetic challenges involved in that and, um, and you know, and the puppies. That must be exciting when you get a, um, have you had, I'm assuming that's happened before where you've had a, a pair mate and they've produced a puppy? We, we've actually had five litters of Mexican gray wolves born here and one litter of red wolves. And with the Mexican gray wolves, they've been pre-released. So we're totally hands-off and so... Um, we had, uh, for instance, a litter in 2007 and then 2008, and we have remote cameras installed um, focused on the den so we can watch the pups as they first emerge mm. from the den. So it's just, it's way cool. We get to see the parents, and, you know, if it's a multi-generational pack, we get to see them just, you know, raising their pups and mm-hmm. living like a family. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, very so, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Again, www.wolfhaven.org. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter. Go to the website, um, Adopt Somebody a Wolf. Adopt is in quotes. (laughs) They're not going to be taking a wolf home. That's not the point. (laughs) Um, But uh, Adopt Somebody a Wolf as a gift is a great idea. And I hope you and the wolves and everyone there have wonderful holidays. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back in the future and uh, visiting again soon. Okay. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
So check out the website, wolfhaven.org. It's a great facility. It's just outside Olympia, um, and the wolves are beautiful. And you can uh, the video of them all howling is also on that uh, collection on uh, dogtalkshow.com, so you can listen to them all all singing for us. It was really, really amazing. It was all I could do to not cry. All right. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. We'll be back next Wednesday from 2 to 3. Thanks for listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150.